because of this long, long process that you could, you know, isolate in the 70s, but I think goes back to the beginning of this American Republic, this great American uh, experiment, um, there has been this drive to turn workers into perfect agents, perfectly perfect representations of commodity labor power for the last 150 years or so, especially over the last 40, 50 years, right? So what has replaced, and this goes some way in like understanding why, you know, that, that movement hasn't arisen, what replaces being a worker in people's mind is now being a consumer. It's this idea of freedom yes. again that we were talking about, the Applebee's freedom, that um, is a barrier. It had to replace. Yeah, yeah, it's a barrier that that's it's 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 going to take something radical, a radical shift for people to to think again about themselves as people who produce as opposed to people who consume. And because so much of what people actually produce is kind of ephemeral, you know, for many Americans nowadays, not being attached to industry or construction, it's hard. It's hard to get people to understand themselves as producers of value and not simply uh, consumers of commodities. Yeah. And yeah, so they're like, and, and the, the, the most insidious part is by becoming a consumer, they get to put themselves they all they do put themselves in the position of a boss every single yes. time they go out to interact with yes, someone in the that is Karenism. Economy. That is Karenism to a T. The personal yes. tyranny you can get commanding other people's labor time, not on the shop floor, but at the nail salon. So you've got this thing where everyone's got a whip to their back and they're just circulating the pain instead of, you know, suffering together the collective whip you know, of, of a recognizable exploiter. They're all just exploiting each other. And so if you're a service industry worker, like there's a, say there's a, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, there's an office building next to a Chipotle, right? Or, or no, like uh, let's say at Applebee's. There's an office building next to the Applebee's. The office workers uh, and the Chipotle workers do not have anything in common because at this point, especially in urban areas, uh, 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 labor has been, largely racially cast uh and so and all and 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 of course class cast already reproducing class so you already have cultural conflict there uh and then you've got the fact that the only time that uh the worker at uh, applebee's sees the office worker is when they're telling them what to do and the only time the office worker sees the Applebee's employee is when they get to tell them. And what the to do. one is getting paid mass uh, psychological wages for that, and the other one's being beaten with a stick. <laughs> so yes. where's the solidarity there? There can't be. Yeah, it splinters you. It's it's every, every interaction in the in that market economy splits you away from solidarity, which is why even if it's like, but then. What's so frustrating is people will say, yeah, but, you know, you got to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, you do. But just be mindful of this when you're doing it. Don't just reify it every single time and say there's no ethical consumption or capitalism while you're putting a cigarette out in the eyebrow of one of your of a waiter or something. (laughs) This is like I had this thesis the other day where like and you nodded to this in the beginning. where this fundamental pact at the heart of the American system that said, we're going to give you some sort of abstract juridical um, say over how the system functions. We're going to have a class system, but 
as much as is possible, as long as accumulation can continue, you're going to receive material benefits at the same time. As long as you don't fuck around, very similar to China or even the USSR in the 1970s and 80s, as long as you don't fuck around with a system, right? We're going to give you all the free play that you want to go live this adventurous life in the world of commodities and markets where you can self-actualize. There's a new park. Hey, hey you can throw you can throw axes now. <laughs> can you, you, can, you can pay to escape a room. And they're trying to open up the axe throwing place right now. <laughs> that's, that's, think about that. Think about how 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 service industry was like fractally reproducing by the end there. Oh god, fucking yeah. axe throwing bars. And you and that's yeah. like, and it's now the whole thing just. You you even had that in the in like the realm of like um, urban yuppie sort of uh, life and entertainment where, I swear to God, you could go to Berlin, you could go to Mexico City. You could go to Los Angeles. You could likely go to Tokyo and any city in the world and find the same cute hipster uh, antler uh, antler bar with like the same wood yep. paneling everywhere. But it was a petty bourgeois sort of like uh, small business owner cultural consumption that you could go anywhere in the world and you could like feel like an like an urban hipster and like consume that and live that lifestyle. What does it matter that that was a small business and not one corporation? It was the same thing everywhere. It had a monopoly over what it was like to live in a cool neighborhood or to visit it on vacation. So like even the idea that there's something unique and valuable about these different experiences of consumption was just complete hogwash, total fucking bullshit. Yeah, like that's that 90s idea of authenticity. Yes. That was it was so, like the 90s was supposed to be the age of cynicism, but they were so hilariously naive. Oh. They thought there was such a thing as like authentic expressions in the marketplace that could that could actually have meaning accrue to them that are not totally related to ex- the exchange that- value. That dream died so hard because you're right. It was this Gen X conceit. It was almost like Holden Caulfield and um, what's yeah, where, where everything catcher in the catcher rye. in the rye, where everyone's a phony, where everything is phony. Yeah. You're trying to find this authentic, experience. which means there's a good, which means there's an authentic version of that. <laughs> Which means there is an authentic burrito. Which means there is an authentic uh, bar. There is an authentic band. There is an authentic movie. Like if all these things are fake, there is a real version of them in the same space, in the market space. You just have to find it. And by the way, this movie, this song, uh, this thing is it. It was then that was the joy that you'd get going flying to Oaxaca and having the authentic taco. You know, you could take an Instagram picture of it. You got that authentic thing. I think that even though it's a Gen X conceit, I think that it's still with us in many, many ways. I guess the question is like, well, it's just at a a more abstracted level. Like it was at a consumer, like uh, like it was at a the level of large, you know, purchases like cool cities you could live in or whatever like that. And now it's purely at the abstract level of like, yeah, Instagram shit. It's, It's purely been abstracted because there's less and less material based to it because people have less time and and uh capital to do anything with yeah man fucking i wonder i wonder how much of a change it's gonna be now that it seems like that whole world like that whole service economy is either not coming back for a long time or not coming back at all because i'll be honest and and i I can be self-critical or at least 
self-aware at this moment but like going out to a nice bar or restaurant sitting with your friends having some really good food in like a charming environment having drinks and like enjoying all these nice little pleasures of that kind of nightlife consumption and and also be able to travel and go to other cities and other countries and oh, experience no, the I, culture. I'm attached that, to those that's things that's one of the few things that makes bourgeois life worth living <laughs> yeah no I, I'm absolutely attached to those things that's why they give you such seductive versions yeah. of them that's why they create these perfect matched little like neighborhoods in these towns, like little mini mini Williamsburgs in every city in America. Everywhere. So you can, so you can, so that you're you can have your alienation assuaged right. by simulating a culture that you don't have the mental bandwidth <laughs> to actually carry out anymore. And also uh, living for at least a brief moment in time, some authentic existence, you know, outside, seemingly outside of like. The production, the place of production outside the uh, job market, and certainly like it's the po- it's like the post communist uh, fantasy and like a little bohemian, little bohemian area where you can game in the morning right. and uh, vape in the afternoon, uh, and uh, ironically watch Flash Gordon after <laughs> dinner. We um, one of the things that we lack right now, and again, this I think points to a lot of what's truly sick right now and why people not just because they're in uh, an an isolation right now because of uh, coronavirus, but almost as an expression of what life has been like for, you know, decades now is that when that initial compact came and you were going to have a bourgeois republic, you were going to have a country that was founded on an American dream that was very much a material dream, one based on prestige, one based on climbing up the social ladder with some people spectacularly succeeding. You had in the very beginning coming out of feudalism, these sort of organic social bonds that existed amongst people, right? Whether those were ethnic solidarities, whether those were certainly churches, right? Uh, whether those were all sorts of, you know, into the 20th century, like Kiwanis clubs and, and things of this sort. You had the remnants of a world that was either pre or outside of the cash nexus. Even the home was this, right? And in some sort of twisted way, as long as you had like a single breadwinner, that breadwinner could come back in a very Victorian middle-class type way and be inured, be shielded from all those dangerous market forces from the, from the grime and the grit of the city. And the home could be this sort of barrier to capital, barrier to what's happening you know, outside. And we simply don't have that anymore, right? That bowling alone idea, right? Like all those institutions yeah. have simply dissolved and vanished into the market. Now, like you, you, you I don't, I, I don't know. You, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no. So there's, there's no, no like yeah. even the home, as you say, is not non-marketized. Right. You know, everyone's everyone's got a OnlyFans or something. I mean, there's there's nowhere that is not where you're supposed to be on your grind or need to be just to survive. And so the alienation of people from one another has reached this height right now where like we, we simply are these atoms bouncing off each other. We are these faceless monads. So only interacting, like think about all of the social interactions that you might have on a day-to-day basis. Most of them are market related. You know, the nice guy up the street who like runs the bodega. Oh yeah, yeah, you chat for a little bit. La bodega. <laughs> you, you go pet the, uh, the bodega cat over there. Cut the cat. <laughs> Your friends are like um, co-workers, right? You end up going to like various events at work or whatever. And in New York City, especially, and in, in, as ex- cities get more and more expensive, 
like even being in a relationship is like almost like a rent scheme at this point in time, right? Like, oh, maybe we should move in together because huh. then we can afford to yeah, have a place. Yeah. So everything or is dominated. Or I guess we should try to keep, maybe we should work this out because we can't afford to break right. and move out. Right. Yeah. So in, in so many ways then, all those older bonds, I call them organic, but only because they came out of a different period or developed right. in order to cut down the alienation and, of yeah. capitalist society. Those are now gone. All of our coping mechanisms have been destroyed and replaced, most importantly, with nothing. Right. Re- well, no, they've been replaced with things, but things that are at an abstracted level of satisfaction. More spectacle. Social media. More, yeah, more so, yeah, it's like a media that's more immediate. It's like oh, you're not entertained with TV or movies anymore. Well, what about when you're the fucking star of the show? Right. It's like, it's like gaming, basically. It's the same attempt to like, hey, you're, you're navigating a space and trying to like build a, 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 some sort of identity, uh, and then you get to interact with others. It's, it's just gaming. Right. It's just the more immersive uh, uh, place to off-put your, your uh, spiritual alienation instead of directing it to... Maybe, maybe resisting the conditions of your life. And, and a little bit of dopamine rush when you get a like on Facebook or um, some sort of uh, oxytocin when somebody on OnlyFans makes like a nudie just for you. Yeah. Ugh, it's all very dark. It's all very dark. It's, it's a dark time. But that's why. But do we want to talk now about why I'm not exactly black Let's. I think we'll get there. Let's get deeper and deeper into the Merck and, and, My, and Meyer for a second. And oh, then okay. I want right. to. I want to crawl out together with you. We're going to crawl out to, together uh, uh, on it. Um, what are you familiar with, uh, Matt? The uh, immediate results of the process of production. That chapter from Marx that got left out of Volume One. <laughs> 